Welcome to another episode of Amusing Minds with Ben and Rodney. Um, Larry couldn't be with us this time, but that's okay. He sends us uh, off to this episode with his blessing. Uh, today we've got Joshin, uh, and we're going to be talking about fan fiction and headcanon. I've I've always had a fascination with with fan fiction and people just sort of creating their own version of of something that that already exists like a a fictional universe that already exists or a movie or or any anything that you could consider a fandom like what what is uh what is your experience with it rodney like what what's what's your story i think i think this will be a fun and interesting episode for us um i particularly don't have a ton of experience with fan fiction per se as far as like actually reading it um, I do like to theorize like with my friends and I think it would fall under a similar category of like, uh, like who would win in a fight, Superman versus Goku. I think that falls under the category of fan fiction um, in some ways. So I think that'll be a fun process. And I have a little bit like, like the fun stuff. Like I've heard that, uh, what is it? The Twilight or not? Yeah. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey is a derivative of a fan fiction that was created um, from the Twilight series or vice. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. So I know from my knowledge, fan fiction is all about um, freaky deaky stuff. So it's, those are the two correlations I have. So I think it'll be interesting to dive into these questions, uh, see what her approach is on it. And, um, and then go from there. My, my experience is not, as much in fan fiction and reading those alternative stories as, as much as it is the uh, like the head canon head canon is I, I think sort of um, a lesser form of fan fiction and just um, it's it's also sort of extension of, of fan theories which I, I didn't really get into fan theories a lot until until the internet age of the last like 10 years or so where everyone wants to make predictions about sequels or about what's going to happen in an upcoming movie or book or, or, or whatever. And, uh, and I really enjoy, uh, reading through those and, and watching people try to make sense of plot holes or, or different, um, different aspects of a movie like, um, Oh, there, there, there was one, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of it now, because um, there. Like, uh, like people like saying that something from like Avengers per se, like this event that happened is why this is gonna be the way it is, or like, like I don't know if it's locked in yet. I think this is still in the realm of fan theory, but like the whole uh, Thanos snap activates the mutant genes is that locked in? Oh yeah, that's like, a good one. Uh, the like, one, the one that I saw really recently was an explanation for. Uh, Captain America going back in time he dances with Peggy but then at the end and of course spoiler alert for uh, for Endgame if you haven't seen it so skip ahead if you haven't seen it and are still trying to be spoiler free after a few years oh, it's, 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 too late. <laughs> it's so late but uh, he, you know uh, Falcon says you know are you going to tell me about her and he says no i don't think i will so we don't know who he married but we know that he did get married and there's a, a new fan theory that steve went back had his dance with peggy but didn't marry her when he returned the soul stone he got nat back and and he married natasha oh 
and because because both of them didn't really get to have a life and so then they had a life together and Peggy married somebody else and and like and that story is still intact of course there's still the theory that you know the old man at the funeral was actually Steve because you don't really see his face but they kind of look similar um and and so it's so I, I really kind of enjoyed that sentiment because it gave new meaning to something that we already uh, had accepted as canon, but in our heads we can go, oh no, he went back and he married Natasha and they had a nice life and, you know, just were out of the whole adventure thing and, um, you know, and had their own little alternative timeline of life over here in this cabin in the woods kind of you know blissful peaceful existence and that that feels so it feels so right and and so um um it, it does it it feels so right because we see these characters go through these immense struggle and for them to achieve peace and and just sort of exist see, seems like seems like a good ending for someone that that would spend their entire life being an action hero see but something to touch on there because it's, it's interesting that you say you know it seems right i think this is the one of the reasons i don't get too much into the like the fan fic and theory is that sometimes the stories that we create in our heads and amongst our own groups are much greater than the end result and then it's a big letdown because we're like wait why wasn't that the thing like it it made perfect sense it would have added so much to the story and in reality we just get this kind of eh. so i i do i do get that setting yourself up for disappointment if you create a headcanon before you get into uh before you get the actual answer so if there's questions that are actually going to be answered then then yeah i i tend to avoid those types of headcanon but i really do enjoy the fan theories that surround unanswered questions that are never going to get answered you know there's there there's a lot of stuff in star wars where the creators are just like "Mm, yeah that's just we're never going to answer that question and so fans just kind of have to fill in the fill in the blanks and okay yeah yeah. so i mean that it sounds like a good time so what do we say (laughs) yeah so um we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we've got Josh and Lynn, and we're going to talk about fan fiction and headcanon. Stick around for more podcasts. And welcome back. We've got Josh and Lynn here. Uh, we're going to talk about fan fiction and headcanon. And this is a subject that I, I feel like you're pretty familiar with. Um, in fact, I, I think you've been uh, interested in fan fiction for a long time, I think is what you told me. But mm-hmm. for those that don't know what fan fiction really is, um, can, can you give us kind of a rundown? And, and how did you get into it? What, what, is, what is the pull that got you thinking about and really into fan fiction? Uh, so fan fiction is uh, a, actually a pretty old term. It got modern fan fiction in the way that we know it today started in the 60s and 70s with Star Trek fandom, uh, when the fandom then would write their own Star Trek stories and publish them in zines and mail them around. Uh, And basically, it's 
as its name implies, it's fiction written by fans. Um, the larger, there's been uh, actually a fair amount of academic work done on the topic since then, and kind of the generalized term for it is transformative fan works. Uh, the transformative part of it is key because the whole um, general ethos is that you take uh, a creative work that you did not do from the ground up and expand on it, transform it. And so that covers fan vids and filks and uh, fan art as well. So that's just sort of the general term for all those sorts of works. And uh, it's it's kind of like, it's the fan nerdy fandom version of remix culture. So you're, you're basically just remixing stuff all the time. So, so fan fiction is like, a, if I'm hearing that right, a grand umbrella that encompasses more than just the writing aspects. Uh, that's transformative works or transformative okay. fan works. That's the umbrella term. Fan fiction refers specifically to writing. Yeah. And and, and how did you get into this? Like what why why did fan fiction become such a a big interest for you? Well, I'd always been interested in writing stories for my reading and writing stories my entire life, starting from when I was like three or four, whenever my mom taught me to read. And uh, so I'd been sort of doing something like that. Like we all do it. We create, you know, when we play at recess, we play pirates or whatever, or we play um, at the time it was all like Disney movies and stuff. Like you, you reenact scenarios in somebody else's world. So we all did that as kids. Um, and then in when seventh grade, I think, I made a friend who was really into Sailor Moon. Um, and this was also, this was 1999 to 2000, I think. So the internet was just becoming accessible to the layperson, uh, not just adult geeks who had the access and the technology. Like we were, this this was the modem age still, but I could get online and go look at all the Sailor Moon fan sites. And this friend that I made, she, we were still in the age of finding someone's fan fiction and then printing it out on real paper and taking it to school to share with friends because not all of your friends might have the internet. And even if you did, you know, your family might be on the line or, you know. They pick up the um, phone and then your connection is just gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it took like six hours to load the ASCII art or whatever. Do you um, still hear that sound in your head when you think about modem dial-up? Yep, 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 yep. Um, so she introduced me to the Sailor Moon fan fiction, and I was immediately hooked. Like, it, it fit into the same parts of my brain as all the fantasy novels and sci-fi novels that I was reading. Uh, I was looking for an escape. I was looking for worlds to live in that were more fulfilling than real life. Uh, I was looking for, I know now, I was looking for the, the endorphin stimulation that my ADHD brain wasn't giving me. And that's why I read so many books and the fan fiction fit in right there. It's like, oh, hey, three stories of characters that I already know and like. Awesome. And then that's, that's about the sum of it. I've, I've been in and around the fan fiction and fandom world since, yeah, about 2000. So it's been 21 years. <laughs> that, that, that realization, 21 years on your, your expression. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that was so great. For the listeners, it was just imminent dread of 21 years of life going past it. <laughs> It's it's like that past episode when we when we talked about what was that moment when you realized that this is adult this is a, yeah, this is yeah. adulting 
and <laughs> yep. and I, I i saw that look go across joshin's face like 21 years i'm not even i'm not even old i'm still considered a young adult but yeah you know. that's I'm, I, I'm, I am, like... I'm a fandom old. I, I sh- regularly shake my hands and yell at the clouds about kids these days and how they don't understand fandom etiquette and why they're being such little dickbags. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like we're all a little more aged than the average person our age, though, because of our lives. But mm-hmm. like 2020 yeah. added 10 years. I don't. <laughs> I don't care who you are. Oh. Oh, exactly. Ah. Uh, and and fandom uh definitely was a huge source of entertainment and comfort for me in 2020 because you know stuck inside not much to do i was i i'm an introvert anyway so i always spent a lot of time online anyway but definitely in 2020 i was forced to do it a little more than i would voluntarily i think did you do some fan fiction writing during the uh oh yes I did. Um, not as much as I did last year or the year before that, but these things come and go. I'm a very slow writer, uh, focus issues. So Any any favorites? Like in anything that you're focused on currently? Like you, you started in Sailor Moon. Has that carried over into more current things that you write and you still write in that universe? Or what's what universe do you love working in right now? Uh, right now, I'm really into the old guard. Uh, that came out in July, June or July last year on Netflix, starring Charlize Theron. And yeah, it's extremely good. It's a rare original superhero franchise that has actually seemed to have taken off a bit. Like there have been ones that I really loved previously, but that sort of fell flat because everyone wanted the Marvel superheroes instead. But the old guard, in the absence of a Marvel movie, uh, seems to have a bit of life to it in terms of pop culture influence and reach. And uh, that's awesome. The fandom still going. Um, and But going back to fandom in general, um, I don't know how common this is. Like, there are some people that will get into a fandom and then stay for years and years and years. And then I jump from fandom to fandom. In fact, weirdly, I will often go read fan fiction for fandoms that I haven't even really consumed the original source material for. Um, and that, that ties into A, I'm always looking for something new and shiny, and B, because fan fiction and modern fandom has been around the 60s and 70s, that's more than enough time to evolve its own uh, conventions and tropes and styles and genres. And so I can often go into a fandom for a property that I haven't actually seen or read and still enjoy the stories there because they're written in a style that I find familiar and recognizable. This is has its pros and cons. There are issues with that, but uh, it, it is what it is. So, so because we talked about this before the show, um, I'm just kind of curious. Um, when you talk about uh, fanfics and kind of becoming their own stories um, mm-hmm. and kind of their own thing, one of the only examples I know of where it's like a big example was mm-hmm. twilight to 50 shades of gray um so are there any other examples that you have that that maybe i won't know as a an outsider as far as like not necessarily to film but mm-hmm. even into writing fanfics that turned into something bigger or equivalent to their original source uh we call it filing off the serial numbers um 
basically somebody <laughs> writes a really epic fan fiction that is far enough removed from the source material. It's usually an alternate universe where you take a where you take a set of characters and transplant them into a different setting and and figure out how they would fit into that world. Or you do a canon divergence where you're like, well, but what if canon was this instead? Um, and I personally favor the AUs that are actually pretty close to the original source material. Um, I don't like the ones where they've written an original story but happen to have slapped the same names and actors onto it. Some people like that. It's whatever. Don't like, don't read. Um, and uh, But those, if, if it's a developed enough universe, developed enough characters, then you can really just copy-paste the names, um, maybe do a little bit of rewriting, and publish it as your own original material. And there have been several authors off the top of my head I know who have done that. There are way, 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 way more fanfic writers who got their start in fanfic who go on to do their own original works. Like, they don't even file off the serial numbers. They go, they become bona fide fantasy, sci-fi, YA novelists. Um, like, Naomi Novik. She's a very famous example. Uh, her handle is Estolat, and she's written quite a lot. But her Temeraire series, I don't know if anyone's heard of that. But it's its a fantasy series, I think, that involved dragons, maybe? I don't know. Um, but uh, it's it's got a fairly large literary following, and um, she honed her skills in fanfic. Uh, and then there's several other authors that are pretty decently well-known who got their start in fandom and fanfic. Like, I mean, John Scalzi, you know, he's very well-known. He wrote Red Shirts. That's Star Trek fanfic, basically. Um, and so it's it's a lot more pervasive than anyone thinks. In fact, somebody trashed fanfic the other day on Twitter. So this was like last week. And like a whole bunch of even a New York Times bestselling author uh, and and a whole bunch of published authors popped up and they're like uh, excuse me I wrote fan fiction and or still write fan fiction so you don't know what you're talking about it was it was a lot of Schadenfreude it was great <laughs> one would imagine that uh, fan fiction would be a great like starting point for someone who wants to be a writer because they don't have to just come up with all the things they can just use pieces of the tools to help mm -hmm. create original art and i mean that's plus every get, art form yeah plus you get instant feedback um that's one of the things that's talked about a lot of value of fandom and fan fiction is that you there are no barriers to writing it there are no barriers to publishing it there are no barriers to instant feedback so um, yeah, if you are young and poor and marginalized, you can get experienced editors to look over your work. You can get critique from other people in fandom and you can get it right away and for free. And a lot of people hone their writing skills over the years. That being said, um, there's also been this school of thought or this pushback against the idea that fan fiction is only training wheels um, because quite a few authors still write fan fiction. Some of them will reveal their handles, others will not. Um, but like, because it's its own genre and conventions and has its whole own ecosystem, there are people like me who write fan fiction just for the sake of writing fan fiction. We're not doing it because we want to become quote unquote real writers because I am a real writer. I just write fan fiction. Um, 
and and that it also ties into that whole idea that um, the divide between original IP intellectual property and transformative derivative works is actually not a very big divide. In fact, it's not even really a divide at all. The the whole notion of intellectual property is maybe a hundred years old best out of 10,000 years of human storytelling uh, for even, in, you know, even as recent as say Edgar Allan Poe or Arthur Conan Doyle. So in the Victorian age, people would just write their own transformative works, uh, their versions of Poe's works or their versions of Sherlock Holmes and publish it. And nobody thought that was a huge deal. I mean, the authors might get irritated, but like nobody was like, oh, how dare you infringe on my copyright? Because there was no such thing as copyright. The idea, the idea that all stories can be taken and made your own has been around for a lot longer than the notion of copyright. Agreed. Yeah, I, I, um, I remember, of course, I can't come up with an example now, but I, I remember reading about some novels that were essentially fan fictions that, and we just took it for granted that they, that we never thought the, of them as fan fiction. And, um, and I thought that was not only really interesting, but, but yeah, remixing and retelling, um, has, has been around forever. I, I actually had, a thought about something we you, you talked about a little bit ago. So I'm taking a slight slight step back because um, because we kind of we kind of like you know flowed through a, a few different thoughts really quickly. Um, you said that you you like stories better that are sort of anchored in the original material um, and and not like not like a whole new thing with just names slapped on it. So mm-hmm. so I was wondering. Does and, and I'm gonna. This kind of relates to uh, the comic book world a little bit more, but maybe also comic books versus movies, um, or, or books versus movies. So, is is there a difference or is there a divide uh, where, like in the comic universe, you know, they have different universes of of the same characters, right? And and mm-hmm. like for uh, like for Marvel, they call it different, like or DC calls it different Earths or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, Earth 616 versus this one versus that one. Is there enough of a common thread between those universes that still makes it, like, uh, more acceptable as, as like, you know, a cons- consuming content? Or or what what is it about fan fictions that... that uh, where are those roots and what are the fan fictions not using as roots that make you feel like they're just slapping names on things? Because I, I feel like what there's is, something there. What is canon is what you're asking. Right. When when yeah. what we consider canon usually has different versions of itself. Yep. Yep. Um, and that is, uh, that is why the whole concept of transformative work was even begun because people started realizing hey it's uh, going like taking someone else's creations and telling a story with them that is a lot more generalized than just a bunch of women doing it online so you know any comic book writer who's hired on by marvel to do the next wolverine series or whatever they're doing exactly the same thing that a fanfic writer does because they didn't invent Wolverine. They uh, 
are they didn't invent any of the X-Men. Um, they might even they if they invent any new characters, they slot it into somebody else's world and they're uh, hired to basically write someone else's story. And that is exactly the same thing that a fanfic writer does. The only difference is that there's a whole system of laws and concepts that say that this is quote unquote official. But I mean, you see it you you see the refrain a lot oh i've read fan fiction a lot of fan fiction that's better than officially published stuff and that's true um because fanfic writers spend a lot of time working on their craft and the only difference is they're not paid to do it so um but like as far as canon goes like bless you um it depends on the medium. Uh, like, comic book fans in particular are very used to picking and choosing what they consider canon because uh, because of the extremely long ongoing nature of the stories and the some of the more terrible shenanigans that the comic book writers have pulled over the years. It's like, no, that's not what that character would do. I don't like it. I'm going to pretend that's not part of canon. And that's, that's a very, like, that's, it's a, it's a very laissez-faire approach to the source material. So and, I have a question then. Yes. Real quick on, cause this, um, like to me, like this is some, some of the stuff, the intellectual property and stuff. I kind of, I fight with whether like on one end, I think it's important to protect people. And on the other end, I could see, some of the points that you guys made. And I was like, ah, I never really thought about that. But so when you talk about um, a source, uh, when you're talking about these grand works that we've had for a long time and people are doing that, it's one thing. But what about for creators who are like in their time now? Uh, uh, For instance, like um, J.K. Rowling. So like Harry Potter, that is right author. I don't make sure. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So Harry Potter is her creation. Now, wizards or not but the context of that universe and that world is was of her creation and her doing Mm -hmm. um and then people utilizing that world to create more um is there something to be said about like them being able to profit from her creation Mm, no or like uh, at least in modern fandom no because there's always i mean it used to be that fanfic writers would get cease and desist letters like before fanfic and fandom um the modern iteration before all of that became more accepted and more mainstream before companies realized they could profit off these fans they did treat fanfic writers like copyright violators and this is very gray legal ground um the there are there are now people who are fan fandom people who are lawyers who have actually filed uh, briefs and like fought for fanfic writers rights um, under the whole transformative works thing Um, but yeah in fact it's interesting that you bring up Rowling and Harry Potter because she was one of the first major huge writers who actually encouraged fandom didn't treat it the way previous writers had and I think I think she recognized that a fans were going to do it anyway people have always done this told stories to each other you know whether or not they put it online um and that it's just making the fandom even more invested and more passionate about her work because it's been very very long established in modern fandom you do not make money off of it because a that's illegal um and puts everybody else in fandom at risk and uh b yeah you are 
playing in somebody else's world and so you shouldn't be making any money off of it a little muddier now but um that that's been that's still like uh ao3 archive of our own uh, one of the biggest fan fiction platforms says explicitly in their terms of service you cannot ask for money in exchange for fake like, we will kick you off if you do that. And that's because they fought so hard to even exist and not get cease and desist letters right and left. And one of the, the rules is in order for us to continue to exist unbothered is that none of you can profit off of your fanfic. Yeah, Lucasfilm had a similar policy with, uh, with like Star Wars costuming mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and building that costuming community. Um, just, just like... J.K. Rowling's universe, you know, Star Wars stayed really strong because of the support for uh, for people to create their own thing, as mm-hmm. as long as it didn't hurt the bottom dollar. Because I also know in in the prop building world, if you offer something in perpetuity, that's a problem. But if you offer something in limited quantity, it's not. Because limited quantity is a finite number that you can look at, which does, which astronomically does not even look at or put a drop in the bucket of, of Disney's pile of money. But if you say, I'm always going to make this and I'm always going to sell it forever, they can go, oh, well, over the course of 30 years, you might make this much money and we don't like that. You know, um, and, uh, but, the, but the one fandom I remember reading stories about that got this wrong uh, that, I, that I thought I'd bring up because you mentioned Star Trek a couple times and in in the I, I want to say it was like 80s 90s Star Trek shut fans down like if you made costumes if you made phasers if you made badges uh, you you were they came after you um, mm. in a big way and they um, they kind of shot themselves in the foot and Star Trek was you know very um, to me, anyway, just as the girl- fandom contracted. Yeah, it, it became it became smaller, more niche. Um, whereas I grew up with with Star Wars more so, and didn't really get into Star Trek until like the last fifteen years or so, when Star Trek kind of started coming back a little bit. I yeah. think from that, and 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 the the studio kind of relaxed a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Fox is still really really bad about this. Um, you cannot talk about Futurama or they will come after you. They came after me uh, because, because I wanted because I wanted to make a bracelet that says bite my shiny metal ass. And they wanted to say that that was trademarked, even though that phrase is not trademarked, but they want to claim that it is. Um, yeah, the, the official like copyright person for Fox sent me an email saying that I can't sell that bracelet. It was, it was, it was scary. It really wow. was. Yeah, um, and that's... Uh, that's again why fans banded together into the organization for transformative works because to be one fan facing that is really really scary but when you've got an entire organization some of whom are very very good lawyers who have gone all the way to the supreme court um you know that's less scary yeah so yeah um i i had another question for you actually um Mm -hmm. so Earlier, when it was just me and Rodney, we I, I talked a, a little bit about headcanon and some of the uh, that I relate headcanon to sort of fan theories, and mm-hmm. and Rodney and I had um, differing perspectives on this. That that 
Um, I, I really enjoy fan theories that come after the source material and bring different meaning into what we have or answer questions that will remain forever unanswered. Um, and, and Rodney's uh, point was, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Rodney said that um, fan theories can kind of ruin the source material for you if if it if it comes before the source material and it either hypes you up or or gives you a different expectation then you can get set up for disappointment really easily mm -hmm. if you dive into these theories a little too much mm -hmm. what what are, what are your thoughts on on that perspective so headcanons and fan theories are are very closely related uh, they're probably they're not super well defined. Um, I personally see headcanons are well, as the name implies, it's things that you are personally going to regard as canon. Uh, you are aware that it is obviously not in canon, but for you, as you proceed along making fan art or or fan fiction, you're going to treat your idea as if it is in canon like you're going to incorporate that idea into your work um so i guess fan theory is maybe the would be the larger more general term headcan is like a subset of that probably um but i mean i personally agree with rodney in the sense that i don't like a lot of heavy speculation before a work comes out because yeah it sets you up for disappointment um some of the worst fans are the ones that are like well you ruined it for me i can't ever watch Star Wars ever again. <laughs> like, come on. Like, unless you want to put the work in and get actually hired on as a writer by Disney, just be, be quiet. Or go off and do your little head cannons in peace. And like, if you don't like canon, ignore canon. It's that simple. I don't like, if I don't like, um... Easier said than done, though, because you're talking about Specifically, like, let's take Marvel, for instance, right? Yeah. You're, it's a massive franchise yeah. where you're consuming it and you want to share it with other people. And yeah. in, a, in a general sense, someone who likes that stuff, for you to be like, oh, yeah, just ignore that. But when you're having conversations with people, it's not easy to be like, oh, yeah, no. Actually, in my thing with Thanos snap, he actually snapped away all the women or something. Like, it's it, – it, you can't <laughs> – Well, that's – uh. That's being part of a community. That's a very, very universal human thing. Is right. Like you, A, curate your experience. Like take responsibility for your fandom experience. If there are, like the internet is vast and the communities, especially for large popular franchises, are vast. And if you something is genuinely causing you stress, then uh, unfollow those people, stop rating those blogs, find the people who agree with you, or start you know, preaching what you are headcanoning and find people who like what you're doing, and then go off and have your little circle. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm but saying like, you can't, like, to ask someone to do that in a world where they're being presented with all this other information from all these outside sources, you can you can't you can't exclude yourself when you're talking about a main company or large corporation you can, producing though. the product that you want to consume like, in a general sense and that everyone around you consumes and then go you know what i'm gonna ignore that the thing well, that's all over everything that's not my canon like, uh I don't like Endgame, I mean, uh, so yeah. I and it's huge and it's everywhere. And but I can 
decide not to see it ever again. I can decide not to join any Marvel. Excuse me. Kingsley's trying to get it. Hi, Kingsley. <laughs> Hi. Here's my dog, everyone. Hi. He's uh he's very fluffy, and uh, he thinks all of this is very irrelevant and silly because we should be feeding him chicken nuggets. Oh, I mean, obviously. The fact that he's not getting chicken nuggets, that's the real travesty here. So, um, anyway, uh, so I've personally decided to take the, the outlines of Endgame and sort of incorporate it into my headcanon, but there are certain spoilery details in it that I don't like, so I'm like, eh, either I'm going to hand wave it away and be like, I'm going to proceed as if everything's been magically fixed and nobody's dead who shouldn't be. And just not going to, I'm not going to follow any of the general Marvel that uh, cover the Marvel canon as is. Um, I'm really just going to hang out with the fans who agree with me. Or I'm just going to withdraw a little bit from Marvel fandom and, and go off and, and do get obsessed with something else. So it feels like we're kind of touching on the subject of interconnectedness uh, and how it relates to um, our fandoms, our headcanons, and the way that we feel about the pop culture that we consume. Josh, what, what would you say are the pros and cons of, I mean, now versus like, you know, when we were consuming things in the 90s and just watching cartoon shows and sort of building extra scenes and situations in our heads, totally different feel then than it is now with the internet and interconnectedness and and the fact that these communities not only exist, but but Rodney kind of has a little bit of a point uh, that I'm that I feel like is they have their own influence and their own reach that there that there is there's always influence and reach and uh and so what what would you say are the pros and the cons of us having developed this extreme interconnectedness uh between communities and what people think about the the pop culture that they're consuming um the pros and cons are pretty much largely the same pros and cons relating to any community on the internet. The pros is that you, you know, find like-minded people, you can talk about, happily talk about this thing that you that you all enjoy, you can uh, bounce off of the ideas and concepts of other people and become even more creative. You just get your serotonin hit for the day. Um, the cons are that insular spaces can become radicalized. So. Uh, if you land in a fandom circle that happens to have a few toxic personalities in it, the experience can rapidly become extremely negative. Uh, and you might have dogpiles, you might have antis who go around harassing people, um, but that's all, that's all, that's not exclusive to fandom. That's just an issue with groups of humans. I tend to think it's a net positive uh, because the internet is, has especially, the internet mode of communication, which is mostly text-based and you can control when you respond to someone is very friendly to introverts and very friendly to various neurodivergent people, which is why so many people in fandom seem to be neurodivergent in some way because we like communicating like this and we're not just trapped in our bedrooms rereading the same fantasy novel over and over without anyone to talk to um so I'll, i'd say it's a net good and 
and again, you kind of just have to, part of maturing is to take responsibility for your own experience, take the good and leave the bad, uh, and, and just deal with it. <laughs> just deal with it. Yeah. 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 I just, I imagine the, you know, the, the sunglasses like, coming on, deal with, yeah. it. <laughs> deal with it. Like, don't go out of your way to be a dick to anyone. And if anyone else is being a dick, then uh, you can easily just yeah don't don't you don't have to interact with somebody that nope. that you don't want to um nope. and that's that's the the magic of the internet um yep. i think i think some people get so absorbed into the the disagreement that they have over what they feel versus what someone else feels yep. that they they just become obsessed with know what i think is right and and this and of course this happens in so many other things other than pop culture but we i i think that not that uh, pop culture does become a part of our core identity and the things mm-hmm. that we uh feel and the and the pop culture that we consume and accept um we we guard it uh, as as uh, we guard it just as much as any strongly held belief for yeah. for any aspect of life, yeah. and, and, and yeah, you you have to keep that in perspective. Otherwise, you become a very unpleasant person. Uh, head cannons. You can become deeply invested in a head cannon that you like, but you do have to maintain that awareness that it is your own personal preference. Right. Right. But I mean, this this is all about emotional growth and maturity and stuff. Adults, we're adults. Yeah, we're growing. Exactly. We're doing like, things. I, like you know, if you're 14 years old and your brain is still developing, it's like, yeah, okay, you'll 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 screw up. You'll make mistakes. You'll yell at people and say some pretty dumb things. But you're 14. Yeah. Hopefully, you'll grow out of it. No, no excuse for a 30 something year old to be yelling about about how. Star about how Star Wars ruined his childhood or something like that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, that yep. actually, I did want to ask about that because some of what we talked about made me think about uh, people that say this ruined my childhood, right? Because yeah, we because no, we have that's an incredibly entitled attitude. We we have this, uh, you know, yeah. We we create this fantasy around the pop culture that we've be- consumed and and how we feel yeah. about it, and then something new comes out that maybe contradicts it. And, and, uh, what, yeah, t- tell me your thoughts on ruining childhoods. Is that a thing or, or is that just no, made up? Because it's like, unless Skynet literally time travels back into your childhood and destroys every single VHS, it's not going to be able to ruin your childhood. You can go back and rewatch or reread your the original work that you love so much nobody's going to take that away from you it's actually very freeing to when once you're in this mindset that there that copyright and intellectual property are not so important that there isn't really a bright dividing line between what somebody being paid puts out and someone not being paid puts out like you view it as all creative work um it, it's it's weirdly really freeing to just be able to pick and choose what you do and do not like. Um, so like just because this person got hired and got paid to put out this new installment that I don't like doesn't their work more quote unquote official in terms of like pure artistic merit. Like it's all just one big soup of creative work, right? And so I can pick the carrots and leave the celery. Yeah. There's a uh, so. I have to challenge this thought just a little bit, um, mm-hmm. just to challenge it. But also, I know we don't have enough time to actually debate this fully. 
Um, and I think your analogy is really well said as far as like, if you have like a dinner plate, you just pick and choose what you do and don't eat. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing is, is to me, depending on your plate, sometimes you need the nutrients from certain foods. And and making, choosing uh, like what I do and don't like as like this thing in this thing. To me, that's um, it's something I definitely have to think about and process because I, I can see the merit to just having a free form like you choose what you want. But I also can see where if I'm looking for a certain thing from a source and trying to consume it and I put them as the say all be all to this thing and they change things, how it could affect someone. So I can see where one would say, just do what you want with your mind. But I also can see how... Um, it can impact somebody as far as like they're perceiving this from this source and they're saying that that's their thing and that's their baseline. So it's a lot more difficult to oh, just yeah, accept no. and, and this a thing can, as it this is. And this can very easily segue into like issues of representation and issues of racism in media and, yep. or sexism in media or, or various harmful portrayals of something yep. that can make it into media and just ignore it doesn't or, solve that problem. Or flip that it. That is very true. Or flip it, yeah. things that don't make it into media, yeah. like not having certain representation, not having yeah, yeah, certain yeah. characters being a certain way. So yeah, let, just yeah. just saying to ignore it, to me, like I, there's really solid, like I actually like some of the stuff you said about it because it's like, oh yeah, it is just fantasy. It's all made up anyway. It doesn't matter. But there yeah. is still an argument to be made for, like, well, maybe Well, so, not. like, this is a case of I can hold two things in my mind at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I can, on the one hand, like, okay, say there's a really racist portrayal of somebody in a movie. Yeah. And I can, at, at the same time, yell about and advocate for better representation or or advocate for solving or changing racism in media and at the same time i can also be like i don't like this racist portrayal i'm going to go write a fan fiction where the same things happen but the racism is removed um so that is a case where i can be like this is a creative work and i can take that creative work and make it my own and remove or change or transform the objectionable content in it and so that's two things that you can do at once which is talk about how this work has impacted audiences at large and then do something about it on a personal level and you can all like and whoever reads your fic would also feel that validation of like yeah this is how it should have been if that yeah, so so fan fiction well, yeah, gives us a... a very nebulous topic <laughs> very, very nebulous topic. that's okay what you're saying is solid and it makes it makes perfect sense and I think for, at least for us in this conversation, I completely understand where you're coming from. I try to approach things from uh, an, a mindset of not my own because it's very easy for me to be like, yeah, okay, cool. I'll just step aside. This is my thing. And I'm skilled enough and creative enough that I can literally create the worlds I want and mm-hmm. be extremely happy with it. But there are some people who don't have that ability uh, to do that, to separate that kind of thought. So I think it's it's something it's an interesting thought experiment and it's interesting to dive deeper in. But I'll let I'll let Ben go ahead because like I said I can go. <laughs> yeah, we we could yeah. we could continue going on. I think I think this is a yeah. great um, a great primer for a whole episode around the uh, social dynamics of of uh, you know what we're talking about and and reflection of 
uh, of society through pop culture and and like there's there's oh there's so much good juicy meat there that that yeah. you just really want to chew on but um i think i think we should leave our audience with a few questions uh lingering in their minds so so josh and where can people go to learn more about this and and find out fan fiction maybe even read some or or find out how to write some what what are some of your best resources uh i would say to find fan fiction specifically and sometimes fan art too um go to archive of our uh or ao3 for short um, is the platform that is owned by a bunch of volunteers. They run off of donations and they were put together after, like, the previous platform was LiveJournal and there were a lot of corporate shenanigans that really, really destroyed fandom on there and people were like okay we've been chased from platform to platform we're tired of this it's time for us to own our own servers and that's what happened so there's no advertising there's no entrance fees it is there for you to read and publish and comment as you please um you are not the product on that website so yes that's also but not to be not to be extremely biased but i think the best thing is on that website so Cool. Very awesome. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, but the the organization that runs AO3, the organization of transformative works, they also run fanlore.org, F-A-N-L-O-R-E.org, and it's basically Wikipedia for fandom. Um, and there is a lot of really good information if you want to find out about the minutia of different fandom controversies and dramas and who's who's and who's done what and oh my god what crazy shit happened in the harry potter fandom in the early 2000s fan lore is uh where you can find out a lot of that stuff awesome those are some great resources Josh and I just wanted to say thank you for talking to us today. We really enjoyed having you on and talking about fan fiction and headcanon and pop culture. And there's so many more deep conversations that we can have around the subject. I hope we can bring you back sometime. Listeners, we will be right back after this break. Uh, Rodney and I are going to give our final thoughts. So stick around for more podcasts after this. Okay, welcome back. Uh, we just finished talking with Josh and about fandom and fan theories and headcanon and fan fiction and creating universes within our minds based on source material. And it was, there, there was just so much to unpack there from, I mean, basically, basically what we have is people have always remixed and retold stories in their own way uh, we all have unique perceptions of stories and we want to answer questions that we have that remain unanswered from the original source material and and basically we you, you can you could find this stuff you know way far back in in storytelling novelists that that write novels based on other other ideas and sort of their own remix of of a story um, there's, there was a really famous one about, uh, <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula getting translated into another language, but it actually was a fan fiction because the story didn't match at all and went a completely different direction. Really cool story. Um, but, but we, we have this, the, the internet has created such interconnectedness with people and, and a way for us to share 
our, our perceptions, our ideas, our fictions, our universes with each other, and and we seek out people that that want to appreciate it or agree with it, and and uh, and sometimes we find people that that have opposing ideas, and maybe there's there's some discourse. Is that a good thing? Uh, or is it something that we try to avoid? Do we need to just pick and choose the things and the people that that make us feel nice, or or do we need to expose ourselves to uh, to opposition and and challenge the things that that we think about? And we didn't get to answer that in this in this podcast episode, but maybe we can in the future. So basically, what I'm saying is, fan fiction is really cool. I'm definitely going to check it out. I'm going to read some fan fiction. I'm already super into fan theories uh, and speculation, but not too much. Just just enough to be entertained without setting myself up for some kind of disappointment. Rodney, how did you feel about this episode? Because I'm just totally jazzed. I really really enjoyed this. I'm I'm like on cloud nine right now. Yeah, I I could tell. I could tell you were definitely. Uh deep in it um yeah no i think i think it really was a good episode i think we really really talked about some things that i haven't considered as far as the fan fiction realm goes that was interesting um and i think you were right to say there's some stuff we need to analyze we really we really do need to question like what is this creative world that we consume and all these things we consume and are we capable of changing that do we really have to stick with a narrative or can we change it up and create our own thing and then if we choose to do that how do we set the parameters these are questions we really need to ask ourselves because like throughout that episode i i i'm challenged with the thought process of how we looked at things and i think it's it's interesting to say that you can try to enjoy something but also change it and i think for our audience they really have to step back reanalyze what they do how they perceive their creative world and what they really want from it so really i think it's a thing that you know you need to look into for yourself it's a good show yeah for sure so if you want to follow us online we post videos to youtube of our podcast you can find amusing minds on there leave us a comment subscribe to the channel if youtube is your preferred method of getting content but we're also on anchor.fm anchor.fm allows you to send us a voice message and your voice message might even get featured on a future episode where we answer your questions directly on the episodes Uh, You can also find us on Facebook and you can interact with us there. You can send us messages or comment on our posts and follow our page to get snippets and and sound bites from episodes uh, to see what you might be interested in. So, So please go check those out. Thanks so much for listening and watching. We'll see you all next time. This has been Amusing Minds.